0: reading by Brian Doyle entitled, A Desperate Prayer for Patience with Politicians with Excellent Suits and Shoes and Meticulous Hair and Gobs of Television Makeup who have utterly forgotten that their jobs are finally about feeding and clothing and protecting and schooling children. They are driving me stark, muttering, bubbling, insane. They are nattering and preening. They're dissembling and speechifying. They are evading the question and mouthing empty slogans. They are attacking straw men of their own devising and calculating the market share. Their words are wind and dust, and meanwhile, children starve and have no beds and teachers and doctors and can't be in school safe. They say they will do things. They appeal to the worst in us so as to be able to make money. They send children to war, though they have never been in war and do not know the savagery of what they are sending their children to do. They abuse their power and sneer at the poor and condescend to the elderly and lie about their motivations and their biographies. They would happily soil every lake and river and pond and creek and rivulet with every imaginable searing, death-dealing chemical if there was enough money in it. They seem not to care about our children and our children's children. They pose for photo opportunities on the way to church, but they do not feed the hungry and clothe the naked and slack the thirst of those who are desperate. Dear sweet Lord, give the patience to be reasonable and call them calmly to account. Give them the startle of guilt and the ripple of shame. Make sore their consciences and shiver their arrogance so that they may puncture it themselves and so begin to achieve humility and be of actual, honest, genuine service to the least among us. This we pray, trying not to snarl over much. And so, amen.
1: Here's our world once again, everybody. Beautiful and terrible things always seem to happen, and so somehow we have to keep our hearts tender and our eyes soft because we know what shows up as conceit or bad manners or rudeness or being withdrawn is always a sign of things that no eyes have seen and no ears have heard. And so we learn again how there just is no answer but to love each other. And I don't know about you, but we gather here in community, I do, to practice being the person that I am trying to be. We cannot do everything, but we can do something, and that something is never nothing. So let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything, let us say together, that is how the light gets in. When the kids were younger, February break, with its unpredictable weather, 70s one day, snow the next, was a marathon of Legos and board games like Sorry and Uno and shoots and ladders, interspersed with blessed TV time, even if it was shows like Phineas and Ferb <laughs> and SpongeBob, which I'm convinced kids love so much because they are such torture for parents to watch. <laughs> the six words, Dad, watch, or, or Mom, watch, this is so funny, the greatest lie <laughs> to ever cross the cereal crumbed lips of my two little cherubs. But time goes on. Where does it go? And somewhere, somehow, they became two tall bodied, sleeping, eating studying time with friends more than time with parents, teenage cherubs who will, to their credit, still play board games and watch TV with us on occasion, but now it's us saying to them six different words, kids, watch, this is so funny. (laughs) And this year, for the first time, February break sounded like this, dad, Mom, what days are we on to visit colleges this week? Monday, right? Wednesday, two, and Friday? You want me to drive on the way back? I know how you get tired now. <laughs> Home by five, right? Because I'm hanging with my friends later. Can I get 10 bucks to fill up the car? Do you even realize how expensive gasoline is? <laughs> no, I had no idea. <sighs> I love him. And so we went, leaving behind the radius of home. The radius in car and in imagination, the radius of home Beyond that, in miles and in future plans. We don't raise our kids to stay home, of course. But it does not make it any easier to see your heart walking in a body that's not yours. Casting a wide net the vision far, the possibilities as distant as the horizon. It's not easy. And, you know, what a privilege, by the way. What a privilege. And how lucky we are because we didn't earn so much of what we have. And also, look, hard work (laughs) in kids and in parents. All of that mixing as we go west whatever west is, one day, and east another, and further west another day. And because I managed to, to drop my, my phone into water this week, that tether and lens through which so much of us see and feel the world, I didn't have that. So I felt a blend of freedom this week and fear. Freedom from the news notifications and pinging email and fear that I would get lost without GPS and fear that I might miss out on some big headline like Senator Mark Rubio returns all campaign donations made by NRA, places daisies and gun barrels at gun show that took place in Parkland, Florida three days after the shooting. Or asterisks discovered next to Second Amendment Reads, FYI, assault rifles aren't what we have in mind. (laughs) If we're going to have fake news, I say we go big. (laughs) Imagining the headlines you want to see in the world is not a bad spiritual practice. Honestly, I commend it. Now, February break is college tour time. Did you know? I didn't. But duh, Dad, it's not Disney time anymore. Which is why, if you paid attention, you might have seen all the colors of license plates this week that that paraded back and forth on the pike. Cars filled with teams of parents and high school juniors and sometimes unwilling, steeply bribed younger siblings. Turning left and right, no straight, not left, not here, there, but that left, into the East Coast's bounty of beautiful, ivied, budget busting colleges and universities. The families, they stream in to gleaming admissions buildings holding folders under their arms. The parents, they open them and they scan the financial aid documents and the tuition pricing and the students scan the club opportunities and the meal plans and the academics, usually in that order. This week we had the habit of sitting in the back. It's the introvert in me and the observer in me. And from there, I watched all of these families streaming in, especially the kids, and I noticed, and I watched their nervous energy and excitement, and I noticed them sneaking looks of comparison with the kids next to them, or the connection maybe. And I imagined them imagining this next step in their life that feels so big and so scary and so wonderful. These kids, all of them, so many of them juniors, not lost on me, the same ages of the kids shot in Florida. Just as I think in my house we were opening Valentine's Day cards. These kids, not lost to me, the same ages as those other kids that have, we've seen them on TV, who have cast out their pain and their rage and their call to action calling, chanting shame and BS to the politicians that Brian Doyle speaks of who they blame for failing to protect them, I'll bet some of those kids were going to go on college tours this week, right? The kids who some call crisis actors and the others who never got and never will get a chance, let's be real, it makes me angry. Over the tours that we've done this year, Emerson and I, and Karen and Ella, I have become a connoisseur of the admissions pitch. The soft sell free meal tickets the exuberant sophomore who gets on stage and tells us how she loves every minute. <laughs> the sober biology prof who thought it was a good idea to describe to the kids how much time you can expect to spend in the lab. The admissions officer bags under her eyes He tries to make you believe that she cannot wait to read all the essays. <laughs> but most memorable by far this week was the video we watched on the big screen that lowered silently from the ceiling, and that's where the tuition is going. I know that. <laughs> and it showed, the screen drop down, and this image comes up, and it shows a pen line drawing of this beautiful college, right? The, the tower, the clock, and this beautiful doorway. And then it pulls back, to the side and it shows the pen line drawing of a, of a picture of a young person, again, only an outline, and then a big arrow from the kid to, to the college, a big arrow pointing to the entryway that asks, so what will it take for Aaron to gain acceptance here? Such a loaded question. Let's see, and then there's stats come up above Aaron's head. 3.9 GPA, check. 98th percentile in SAT or ACT, check. Honors classes, check. Extracurriculars to show you're not just a book hound, check. Personal, profound, true essay that's also brief, check. (laughs) Three letters of recommendation, two from teachers and one from a guidance counselor, check. These kids have to go through the ringer. What do you think everybody, she says, she says to all of us. What do you think? Will Aaron get in? she asks us. And I watch, because I'm in the back and watch the students as they look forward in hope and fear, because maybe they see themselves in Aaron, or, or maybe they don't. And they're wondering what qualities it will take to get accepted, to get in, to be welcomed, to ride the arrow, into the doorway, and I found myself thinking in the back of those kids in Florida, wondering what qualities they are showing us in outline, said Emma Gonzalez in a speech, I hope you will go home and watch, Emma who witnessed the shootings and lost friends, watch this, she said, we are going to be the last mass shooting. We are going to change the law. That's going to be the Marjorie Stonem Douglas High School in that textbook that you read. And it's all going to be due to the tireless efforts of the school board and the faculty members and the family members and most of all the students. And then she's wiping her ears, everybody. She's just wiping her eyes. She's crying. And then she calls out the president for taking millions from the NRA for his campaign. And she says, if you don't do anything to prevent this from continuing to occur, that number of gunshot victims will go up. And the number that they are worth will go down. And we, president, will be worthless to you. And so I'm wondering, having watched this video, and watching all these kids get evaluated and assessed on things that they think will measure their success in the world. And I'm wondering, what qualities are those kids showing up with that will never get measured, but that demonstrate their capacity for humanity? Speaking truth to power, check. Conviction, check. Vulnerability, mixing with strength, check. Determination, check. The kind of brave that I want to be, that I want my kids to be, that I think you want to be, friends, check. Which is why I keep telling myself and our kids, be the best student you can be, but listen. Be the person the world is calling you to be even more. The person that, frankly, no classes are going to teach you how to become. Be that person and everything else is going to work out. If you have been here for a few years, more than that, you will know, actually since the Sandy Hook shooting in December of 2012. It was Music Sunday before Sarah was here. I had to change everything that we did. And all of you, there's so many people here that morning. And Emerson, remember, he, he tells me that I was pounding the pulpit. You know that I have tried to challenge myself and us into conversation on gun rights and gun control. We had, a, we had a big event next door, and there was you know, NRA members and, and all kinds of folks that showed up to that event and videotaped us. It has not been easy, not least because there are so many other issues that, that grab our attention and our passion. I also think though, speaking for myself, that I have grown weary of the public liturgy which is what it is that happens after every mass shooting the flags go down to half mass the counselors come out we mourn the innocent victims we revere the first responders we offer the quote-unquote thoughts and prayers and then everybody goes to the corners the balkanization of politics and we feel trapped and maybe even glad that we live in massachusetts like ain't our problem, and we wonder, what can we do? But I have watched these kids this week, and I have seen them, and it sparked something new in me, and maybe in you too. So that while my son is reaching for the future and envisioning his future and asking about what qualities he needs to get accepted and to gain entry into what? I am asking what qualities I need and what qualities you need. We all need to envision the kind of future and the kind of country we want to have where the sanctification, the blessing of the gun is no longer the wedge that drives us apart and threatens all of us. The Parkland students are showing us We can't do everything, but we can do something, said Unitarian Minister, Reverend Edward Everett Hale. And so a place for me to begin, and I invite you to join me, is in a couple Sundays after church on the 11th of March. I will gather as many of you to talk about guns yet again. to have a conversation about it. And then I invite you to join me and my family at the March for Our Lives on Sunday, March 24th, which is in Boston. These are happening all across the country, and those Parkland, Florida students are the ones that are asking the adults to show up for and with them. I am trying to put my, one of my commitments this year is to put my body, my body where my beliefs are. I know you are too, in all kinds of ways. And my only invitation to us is to let our lives, in whatever small way or big way you can, let your life speak about what you believe. The kids are asking us to do this. So we can say yes.